Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift. And I just want to really thank everybody for taking time out of their day. I know how busy it is um, to come and listen to the podcast wherever and whenever you may be able to listen in. So today I have a special guest, Bronwyn Schweitgart, and she is a psychotherapist, an anger expert, which I think when we're going through divorce, anger is one of those emotions that comes to the surface, no matter how much we tell ourselves we're not going to get angry. It certainly does happen. Um, uh, Bronwyn is also a public speaker and an author around this area. Uh, and I know she's got a couple of areas of expertise as well. So Bronwyn, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome, Marty. So Bronwyn, tell us a little bit about what got you passionate about dealing with anger because anger is a difficult topic for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that it's a difficult topic and you said um, in the introduction, you said that, you know, when we go through a divorce, we tell ourselves, I'm not going to get angry. And, and we tend to have this, this image of anger as something detrimental or bad. We have a judgment around it. And, you know, I hear people say, Oh, I'm not an angry person. But what I say to that is, of course you are, because you're a human. And that's like saying, I'm not a breathing person. All humans have anger, all of us. And if we think about what um, cultivates anger, it's when the real and the ideal have a distinction or disparity. So anytime that reality deviates from ideal, of course, we're all going to be angry. And on planet Earth, you know, that's about 23 hours a day for all of us, right? On a good day. <laughs> on a, that's a good day, right? We got an hour where things were ideal. That's pretty damn good, whether that was an hour of sleep or what have you. But yes, yeah, so um, so anger, you know, I we have these, these thoughts and judgments around it. Um, and, and that's a real big problem because, and you asked me how I got into this. Well, we, uh, my family had to move about, goodness, 13, 14 years ago um, to re, like completely relocate. And it was, it was a horrific experience. And I fell into a very dark depression. Um, and during the seven years we lived, you know, in, in Oakland, California, and I went in and out of depressive episodes during that time. And I went to therapists. And none of them were helpful. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm so depressed and barely functional, but I know I could do a better job than these people, you know, and I tried different ones. Um, And so that was like a big part of it. And then ironically, you know, now uh, in hindsight, I see how every one of my depressive episodes, and I talk about this on my podcast, was actually... Um, cultivated by my own anger that I didn't feel entitled to have or validated to have. And that anger got suppressed like most humans do when we don't feel entitled to be angry because we have all these judgments around it. And so my own anger went inward 
and caused depressive episodes. And looking back, I see how, you know, if I had had someone validate me and say, no, 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 it's okay to say this makes me really angry and therefore this is what I'm not going to do. These are my boundaries and I can be assertive in this situation. That would have saved me like years of debilitating depression. Yeah. And, and so first of all, thank you for saying that. And, and it's interesting because I always talk to my clients too about, you know, the more that you stuff emotions, the more they're going to come back and haunt you, bite you in the ass. You know, it's, it's going to get you at some point in time. So I right. really appreciate you sharing that. I do want, I'm going to put you maybe a little bit on the spot here. Um, I'm not intending to, but do you think that women, there's sort of a societal thing that angry women are just crazy, bad, uh, you know, stereotypical, the angry woman, whereas men mm. generally, and I'm trying not to be like, like completely pigeonholing people, but for men that, that are angry, they're more justified in their anger and women mm. are just behaving badly if they're angry. I do think that is applicable and not just in our culture, but probably worldwide. I've lived overseas in many different countries and I, I do think that that makes it worse definitely yeah so so thank you so why do you like why do you think this came about is this uh is this just a, a cultural thing that we've kind of all adjusted to and how do we get if we find ourselves thinking i can't express my anger what should we start doing or how can we how can we manage it how can we deal with our own anger well um as far as the why women get called angry women and you know you hear the word bitch women yeah they're assertive will be called a bitch men. If they're assertive, they're like, Oh, he's, he's like someone to reckon with, you know, yeah, they're like a leader. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that stems, I, I mean, I psychoanalyze everything, but I think that absolutely stems from men feeling intimidated by the women who are assertive. Um, so what, sorry, what was your second question on there? <laughs> so, so what, it, why do you think why do you think we have been um and maybe you've already answered this but why do you think women perpetuate this when we talk to our kids even and say you know mm -hmm. we talk to other girls or we talk to other young women mm -hmm. coming into the same workplace we're in and we're kind of like if they start being assertive we're kind of like some, some people maybe kind of uh -huh. like oh, don't rock the boat don't do that why do you think that keeps uh -huh. going even today yeah i mean i have seen that with men as well but yes um yeah so i think I, I like to kind of separate people into um, kind of two very broad categories. And, and this is, I'll have to explain, but basically I think most people are on the narcissistic side of the spectrum. I myself identify as a recovering narcissist um, or they're on the codependent side of the spectrum. And I call those pleasers and, and there's a huge spectrum. So what you're saying you know, a woman who's like, don't rock the boat. That, that's a pleaser. So pleasers oftentimes are women. They, they associate with like nurturing. Like that's a nurturing thing to do, to like just preserve the peace at all costs. And, you know, pleasers are the most anxious and depressed people I have ever met because all their anger that their body is having because they're human and things are far, far from the ideal and instead of advocating for the ideal, instead of speaking up and having a voice, instead of creating boundaries, instead of saying no, you know, no, I love, no is a complete sentence. Um, instead of doing those things, pleasers are afraid of anger because they see anger as 
violence and screaming and who know, and a lot of us do. And I like to liken anger to a fire. Yes, a fire can take over and burn down a house and be incredibly destructive. That is true. But if it is contained in a fireplace, it actually, and you know, we, we don't appreciate this anymore because we have electricity, but there was for, for most of human history, a fire pit or a fireplace or a hearth was essential for survival. It keeps the whole house warm and lit. Right. We couldn't survive without that. And we, and I see it the same way. We need to harness our anger in a safe place in a, where it's contained. But fire also is how we sterilize things, how we refine things, how we make things clean. It is necessary. It doesn't have to be destructive. We don't have to be afraid of it. I, re- I love that analogy. That's, that's a great one. I think that's something that we can all, we can all envision. Um, I'm, I'm kind of that way with conflict. I believe, because I'm a mediator, that's one of my other jobs, um, and I do a lot of training on communication, nonviolent um, communication, and you know, I've done a lot of work around that. But if you're, if, you're not in a, if you're in a state where you're just letting everything exist, there's no possibility for change. There's no possibility for improvement. So if we go back to your first statement that anger is when reality and um, ex- expectations aren't, aren't matching, if you're angry, you have the power to be creative and make changes if you can harness it. So um, do you, and I'm going to refer to um, uh, the fixed uh, mindset and growth mindset. Do you think some of this kind of ties in with people who are fixed mindset that just say, well, I can't deal with anything, whatever the universe mm-hmm. is dumping on me, that's just what mm-hmm. I got to put up with. Do you see some mm-hmm. of that with anger as well? I see. Yeah. Kind of what you're describing. I would call more of a victim mentality. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a passive, you know, I can't do anything. Um, and that is a type of narcissism, to be honest. Okay. Um, but, but um, what I think the driving force behind people who are hesitant to be assertive, ultimately, is that we feel responsible for other people's feelings. Okay. So we are responsible to other people, yes, but we are never responsible for other people. And there is a huge distinction. That means I am not responsible, Marty, for your feelings. If I disappoint you right now, if you're like, oh, Bronwyn's going to talk about this and and I don't, and I don't deliver, and I disappoint you. Those are your feelings, and they belong to you. They are not my feelings. Right. I am only responsible for my feelings. And if we do a good job as parents, which most of us don't, myself included, my daughter can tell me, but, um, <laughs> but, but a good parent teaches their child that they can disappoint the hell out of them and still be loved and accepted unconditionally. So that child learns, I can disappoint people. I'm not responsible for other people's feelings, but I'm still loved and accepted unconditionally. And a child like that goes on to have the ego strength to walk away from the abusive relationship, to walk away from the abusive boss. Yeah, not get sucked into, so that that leads really nicely into our next question. What should you do with anger? Like, what's the healthy way to contain that fire in the hearth rather than letting it burn down the house? That's right. So first of all, we don't judge it. It's there for a reason. 
Um, we stop saying that anger is bad. Let's start with that. Like it's a God given emotion. It's like a light on the dashboard of our car saying, check the engine. Okay. So it's there for a reason. So first of all is say, you know what? My body is telling me I'm angry. My gut is telling me I'm angry. I'm feeling angry. Um, guess what? Anger is not bad. That, that means something is amiss. What is it? I wonder what it is. Okay. So that's, that's be curious. What's making me angry right now? Oh, it's because that guy just like dismissed what I said. And that makes me feel minimized and unimportant and undervalued. And, and that makes me angry. Okay. Well, so I feel angry. Our feelings tell us what we need. Our feelings are very important. We don't override them. We don't manage them. We listen to them and they tell us what we need. So if I'm feeling like my husband just dismissed me when I told him something really important to me and really valuable and even maybe hard to share and he just like minimized it and walked away and like scoffed or something, what do I need? Well, I need to say, hey, you know what? That was not, that was not nice. And that was really important to me. And when you did that, I felt very dismissed and minimized by you. And that hurt. So that's what I need to be assertive, to have a voice. And if he responds like, I don't care, then my next need is a boundary. Well, if that's how it's going to be, we're not going to have a conversation anymore. Right. I And I really, I you know, I really like that idea that I can that, you have the right or I have the right to express my anger and not worry about having to, if I'm disappointing somebody else. And I think that's totally different than just going out and making statements that are harmful or that you don't care about another person, but having that sense of, I have the right to say this, this is, this is my need to get this out and say it. So, um, so I think that's really, that's really informative. What, what happens, um, what happens to your body? Because I know anger, although it's an emotion, you feel it all through your body. Mm-hmm. So how does that, how do you release that anger from your body? Is, is that done through the verbalization? Is that what does it? Or is there something mm-hmm. else that you have to do? Yes. Um, okay. So there's different examples I could pull from here. Um, I, I'm going to go with sleep. So I have clients that, just have different like struggles with sleep, insomnia, falling asleep, staying asleep, waking up early. Um, Some have mania. Well, okay, let me back up. Let me zoom out. I will say I am to the point where I believe with everything in me that every single mental illness or dysfunction or compulsion or addiction is caused by suppressed anger. Every single one. I have a client who has psychosis. It's all suppressed anger. Guess what? It's gone for her now because she's learning to put her anger into words with me and share it and be validated and not be alone. We are not created to feel our feelings in isolation. So what's shareable is bearable. So for her, um, you know, she, with all my clients, she shares it with me, like, like in fantasy, what do you want to say to your mother? 
<laughs> and then she'll say it. And then, you know, what I do is I double what we call doubling as a therapist. I'll say, so what you want to say is blah, blah, blah. And I'll just like go bigger and broader. And I can be way meaner because I'm the therapist that, you know, I don't have an attachment to her mother. I don't feel bad about saying all this stuff. And, you know, I don't, we don't demean, we just say the truth. And speaking it out and having someone be angry with you and for you and externalizing it out of your body into words, it's just gone. And she was having psychosis, literally hallucinations. And a lot of therapists and psychiatrists are like, I don't know what to do with her. We just have to give her meds. I'm like, no, it's all anger. Let's get it out of her body. And it's working and Excellent. her psychosis is, is gone. That's amazing. So is, so working with the therapist, obviously something I'm hearing, and that's quite honestly, as a divorce coach, that's not my role. And I don't do therapy. And a lot of my clients do, after we talk a little bit, discover that going to a therapist would be another person on their divorce team and maybe to extend after their divorce to help them deal with some of this. So I really appreciate you saying that. What about the notion of, um, journaling your anger because I've, you know, all those self-help blogs and stuff, you know, just like, um, what do they call that? Um, just, just sit down and write. Don't worry about punctuation. What is that called? A chain of thought or something I'm, I'm missing. Yeah. You know, where you yeah. just write, 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 write all the yeah. angry statements you want. And then you take the yeah. paper and you burn it or you destroy it. Obviously you don't leave it laying around for somebody else to take a look at. Do, do you think that any of that can really help or does it need to be with a person? Well, okay. Very good questions. Um, I have so many Google Docs, Marty, of fantasy letters to my father, my mother, lots of people, my ex-supervisors, some of which I do share with that person. I'll take out all the F-bombs, of course. But um, (laughs) but, yeah, and some are just for me. Um, I do a Google Doc that, you know, and then I'll share them I'll read them later to my husband or to my friends who can validate me. I would not share them with just anyone. I would only share them with someone who can absolutely validate, not someone who defends the person I'm having a fantasy letter to. No, if they defend that person, that's the wrong person to share it with. That's now, now I'm angry at the person that I'm sharing the letter with. Right. Right. So, um, That actually, unfortunately, can be a lot of therapists because a lot of therapists, just like I said at the beginning, are not good. That's why I became a therapist. Um, They're not. And a lot of therapists are pleasers. And they're like, oh, you know, just give your mom the the benefit of the doubt. Oh, my God. They just, like, reinforce it all. So, yes, you want someone who has a healthy relationship with anger, who knows it's not bad, it's not a sin, it's exactly exactly what we need to put it into words by doing so it, we're externalizing it out of our bodies and we're we're able then to have better behavior with that person in real life because now we're not filled with rage and and suppressing it when we interact with them right yeah so so i like that that there are some some of these um do-it-yourself techniques may be effective i'm guessing you also want to be really careful about choosing that person who's going to maintain that confidence and not go telling everybody in the universe <laughs> what, what you told them so Bronwyn, i pick your brain about one other thing that i know a lot of people listening to this podcast are moms a lot of them are moms who are dealing with kids of all different ages 
And we know that kids that go through divorce sometimes have um, behavioral problems. Sometimes most of them are angry at one or both of their parents at some level yeah. for yeah. some period of time, um, depending yeah. on, you know, if parents are really good co-parents and work together and really rebuild that, that anger can be relatively short-lived. For some kids, if the conflict goes on and on, that anger goes on and on as well. So how can a parent um, help their child with anger? Yeah. So that parent needs to not feel responsible for the child's feelings. Even a parent is only responsible to a child, never for. So here's why that distinction is really important in the, the parent-child relationship. My, my daughter is 19 now. She gets to be angry as hell at me. That is her right. If I feel responsible for her, I'm going to go, oh, no, it's okay. I didn't do that. I'm going to defend myself. And I'm going to try to talk her out of her feelings. But if I know my job is only to be responsible to her, I'm going to listen. And I might feel, and I will feel, honestly, defensive and want to defend myself. But I'm going to, I'm going to quash that because that's not my job. My job is to listen and really understand why she's angry because it's there for a reason. Even if I don't agree, you don't have to agree to listen. In fact, if we only listen to people we agree with, like who would we ever listen to? So my job as a parent is to put my feelings on hold and make it all about my daughter's feelings and listen and go, wow, tell me, tell me more about why that made you angry wow, I, now I'm hearing that maybe you even felt betrayed by me in that moment. Wow, I get that. That was not in my intention, but I hear why you felt betrayed. And I don't blame you. I would feel the same way. And I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I can see why that hurt you. And that breaks my heart to hear that. So we give our kids their feelings. We validate their feelings. Feelings are not right or wrong. They are not good or bad. They are feelings. They're involuntary. The more we validate and give people permission, including our ch children, first by listening and then by really empathizing and putting ourselves in their shoes, that's what empathy is, and validating their feelings and feeling their feelings with them. That's called attunement. That is what nurture means. Nurturing is attuning to how someone's feeling. And so we're sharing those feelings. Now our child feels heard and seen and acknowledged and her feelings have been shared. And guess what? We didn't reinforce those feelings. Well, we did. But now they're out of her body. She's not carrying them around in her shoulders anymore. Right. Like they're gone. Now and I just gave her permission. I just taught her that's what's shareable is bearable. So she doesn't need to have all these defense mechanisms against her feelings, like alcohol and drugs and porn and all the things that we all turn to when we're, you know, old enough or food. My goodness. Um, I just taught her that when someone reflects back and listens and mirrors and validates your feelings, how good that feels, how that gives comfort and relief and release. Right. to those feelings. I just modeled for her that, that a parent isn't all good 
a parent makes mistakes too, that we are good and bad, all people, all the time. And I just modeled for her an apology, humility. I just modeled for her what a three-dimensional human being is supposed to do. I love that. And I love, thank you for giving that example. Thank you for actually giving the language that, that, and, and you can adjust that language, obviously, to the age of the child, what their vocabulary is and their understanding of this. So, Bronwyn, this has been fantastic. And you have given some really actionable strategies for people to use. And I know that's, that's always helpful because it's great to be theoretical, but it's also great to have some idea of what this is really going to look like in your, in real life. So how can people um, find out more about what you do or listen in and get more insight from your expertise? Well, I mean, my podcast is really to get all this out to the public. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I have four episodes now, and it's called Angry at the Right Things, and it's available anywhere you can subscribe to podcasts. Great. So that's Angry at the Right Things. I love that. Love that. So please take a look at that. I'm going to be subscribing when we get off the off the call here. Um, Bronwyn, what, what do you want people to remember when they step away from this? I know we did this a little out of order. Normally, I ask this question mm-hmm second to last, but it just seemed natural to talk about your podcast right there. So what, what do you, what, what do you want people to remember about anger or about anything we've talked about today? Yeah, I think most, I think if I were to like summarize it, um, I mentioned that we're all in the spectrum of either narcissism or codependency. And really our goal is to get in the healthy middle. And both those extremes are people who try to, pretend that they're not who they are. And and the goal is to be a healthy, authentic, real human, which means there's no shame, there's no fear, there's no shame of our feelings, there's no shame of our actions. I mean, we can have guilt. Guilt is um, can be very functional because it can help us to have remorse and regret and do things differently. But shame is just debilitating and has no function whatsoever. It diminishes our humanity. So to be in the middle, to be a healthy human with, who is real, shame-free, um, and, and, and find people who can validate your feelings, who are real and authentic with you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And if you are going through a divorce or any time of life and you're finding anger is really difficult for you, reach out because there are people that can help you. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here. And thank you for listening in on the podcast. And I look forward to uh, knowing that you're here when we have our next episode next week. Thanks for listening and supporting the D-Shift podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.